But how many of you know that some families can't afford coats for their kids to get ready for school? Mm -hmm. And right now, coats are on 50% off at Walmart. Um, so if, you, if you're interested in wanting to start buying some of that stuff, and we'll get it ready for uh, just before back to school. The what? Okay, so the, my wife said the first meeting for that will be in March. And so if you're interested in being part of that uh, planning committee, we just want to plan together. Because I think if you get more heads together, you can plan a lot better, right? Um, also, it's kind of a short notice. I normally don't back speakers back to back. But I'm excited about this guy. He's from India. And uh, he's got a heart for the lost. He's, he's actually been on his deathbed twice. He, all of his arteries were clogged, and the doctor asked, how can you still be, his name's Don, Tom Jacobs. He will be here. He's originally from India, but he lives here in near Dallas. And so he's going to come up, and he's going to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night, and he's had healings in his services. He's had people get saved. So if you don't know, if you, I mean, not know if you don't know, but if you know somebody that's not saved, how many of you guys know somebody that's not saved? It can't hurt to invite that person to church, right? And so... Yeah, so invite your brother, invite somebody, because he preaches a good message. And then the following week will be our missionary, Terrence Harris, who will be here. And then we're having our missions banquet at 4.30 that afternoon, so please come. We're going to be doing uh, uh, faith pledges, and all that is is saying, I'm going to pledge to give this amount to missions. To, and what you'll do is when you give to missions, you just give to the main fund, and then we'll, we already have missionaries that we distribute that to. Um, just a couple other things in there. Don't forget some of our uh, normal things that we do here. Um, we had our men's breakfast on Saturday. We also have a conference coming up. It's not in your bulletin. And we tried to show the video, but the video is kind of fuzzy, right? Um, and so it's March 1st and the 2nd. Men, if you're interested in going to this conference, the church will pay for the hotel and we'll take the van. It's March 2nd and 1st and 2nd. I think it's at Owasso 1st. Is it at Owasso 1st Assembly to say on that thing? Do you remember, Rick? Well, the video is not coming up well. It's kind of fuzzy. So, But if you're interested in going, men, we'll, we'll leave here at the church. We'll stay at the hotel uh, Friday night, and then uh, we'll come back Saturday, and that's up there in the Tulsa metro area. Uh, don't forget to, um, real quick, I'm going to go through this real quick. Uh, our missions banquet, again, I've already mentioned, March 23rd is our Easter egg hunt, which is called the Palooza, and we need volunteers, and that's at 1 p.m. We're going to do it on the backfield here. And then March 24th, our district superintendent, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Wooten, will be here for the AM service. And then don't forget about Heart to Heart, and that is coming up on the 20th. And the uh, speakers, Vicki Sanders and Leanne Hart, will be leading the worship. We have our prime timers coming up on March 24th. And uh, again, that's at noon, and that's here at the Fellowship Hall. And bring some finger foods. And then March 2nd is our men's Bible study. And then following in March, March 16th, is our men's breakfast. So uh, did I miss anything? Do you want to mention anything? Did I get it all? Okay, I kind of took over something she was supposed to say. And if we can have our ushers come at this time to take up our morning tithes and offerings. No. Would you, would you like to pray, John?
want to go ahead and get up on your feet so we can prepare ourselves for worship this morning. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this house, God. Father, I just ask this morning that you would have your way in this service, Lord. Lead, guide us, and direct us in your will. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds a victory. Yes. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross, then he rose up from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Do that again. We were the beggars. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. 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 We shout out Oh, we praise your name, Lord. We praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. We thank you this morning. Thank you, Jesus.
heart starts changing I'm gonna worship Till I mean every word Because the way I feel And the fear I'm facing Doesn't change who you are Or what you deserve I give you my worship for you still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my soul. And I'll pour out your praises in blessing and breaking. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my soul. I'm gonna preach to my soul that you've already won and even though I can't see it I'm gonna keep believing that every promise you made is as good as done I give you my worship you still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my soul. I'll pour out your praises in blessing and breaking. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You're Blessing and the pain, you are worthy. Whether you say yes or no, wait, you are worthy. And through it all, I'll choose to say, You are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. I'll never stop singing your praise. And when I finally see your face, And when you wipe my tears away, I'll cry worthy. And above every other name, you are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. 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 give you my worship, for you still deserve it. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of my soul. I'll pour out your praises in blessing and breaking. You're worthy, you're worthy, Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You're worthy, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. 
The Lord is saying this morning, do you love me? Do you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you love me? My word says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you love me? As I stated to Peter, do you love me? I asked him three times. And I'm asking you, do you love me? Do you love me? I want to read from Isaiah 61 real quick as we're waiting in his presence. God laid this scripture in my heart this morning. And I want you to think about this for a minute. This is what Jesus has done for you. It talks about him being holy and that he's slow to anger and passionate and patient with us. But Isaiah 61, Jesus, when he started his ministry, said this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When he speaks of poor, he's speaking of us that we're lost. And when we, before we get saved, we recognize our poorness, we recognize our sinfulness, and when we come to him, he gives us new life. 
He says, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If you came in here brokenhearted this morning, he wants to bind those things up and heal you of it. To proclaim freedom for the captives. If you're born again this morning, he has freed you from captivity of sin and the devil's hold on you. And to release from darkness those who are prison. Before we came to Christ, we were in spiritual prison and captivity. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. The word grace means favor, God's favor, unmerited favor. He has given us favor this morning. And then he says, in the day of the vengeance of her God, to comfort all who mourn. Are you mourning this morning? God wants to give you comfort. One of the words for the Holy Spirit in the Greek is parakletos, which is the wonderful counselor, the spirit of comfort. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion. Are you grieving this morning? God wants to give you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. An oil of gladness, which the oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Gladness of joy of the Holy Spirit. Instead of mourning a garment of praise, instead of a spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Jesus did all of this for us on the cross, and if you're born again this morning, he has freely given you all those things this morning. The joy of the Lord, gladness, praise, release from prison, from darkness, from being poor in spirit to being rich in Him. Father, we glorify you this morning. We honor you this morning for who you are and what you've done in each of us this morning. So this moment we choose right now to love you and to worship you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to dismiss the kids to go back at this time. How's everybody doing this morning? What you heard this morning is what we call tongues and interpretation. And uh, the Holy Spirit will speak and, and uh, through tongues and then somebody interprets it. And so... It's interesting because God is, we're going to get into Ezekiel 39 next Sunday, but God laid this on my heart. All these scriptures started flowing through my mind. We're going to look at the gifts this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to pray. Everybody say, I'm gifted. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Now, let's do it again. I am gifted. There you go. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, he's, he's a, he's, he was their missionary, he was their apostle, he, he, he started this church, and now he's giving them spiritual uh, education. And he says, now about spiritual gifts, underline spiritual gifts there, this is important. Spiritual. So now about spiritual gift, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know what when you know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, 
but the same Spirit. Notice the word Spirit is capitalized. It means the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by the Spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is made up of one part, made up, not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot which should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, uh, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has rearranged the parts of the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given the greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking with different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts? Jump over to me, me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 with me real quick. Verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially the gift of prophecy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, as you've laid this on my heart to share with your congregation, with your people, with your sheep this morning, I pray, Father, you're the good shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. Help me hear what your spirit is saying this morning. Help me be obedient to do what you've called me to do, to share with your people. Father, I pray that you would open up our ears to hear and our hearts to understand what your passage is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 means, and the other scriptures that we're going to look at this morning. I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to be poured out on us right now. I pray, Father, you would begin to reveal to each one of us the giftings that you've given us. And I pray for, again, that you would begin to use us in those giftings. Help us to train each other and to grow with each other 
and to build up the body of believers. Again, I get out of the way so your spirit can speak. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. As this week, as I was going through this, God just kept laying this on my heart. And we, a lot of us don't know what our gifts are. We don't know what we're gifted in. We go through church, we come to church, we attend church, but we don't know how to operate within the body of Christ. How many of us feel it's important to have a hand? Uh, how, how many of us, do you know one of the strongest uh, muscles in your body is actually your fingers and your tongue? How important is it to have a tongue? Yeah, you move food around. It's one of the strongest muscles in your body. You chew with it, right? It has the sense of taste. When you had COVID, how many of you lost the sense of taste? I know a couple of weeks ago I had it again because everything tasted like metal. But I'm glad I was able to at least taste metal. That means I had a sense of taste. I have legs this morning. I like to ride my bike. If I didn't have legs, I wouldn't be able to ride a bike. I might be able to do it with my hands, but it would be a whole lot harder. How many of us are glad that we see this morning? I love how Paul uses the body to represent us as the body of Christ and how important every piece of the body is for the body of Christ. The, the eye can't say, I don't need the body. Yes, the eye needs the body as much as the body needs the eye. And the eye can't say, I want to be a foot. I mean, how ludicrous would that be? To, for me to lay down and put my head to the carpet and say, okay, eyes start walking like feet. I could probably drag myself, but I'd come up with a big old rug burn on my face. So Paul makes the distinction. He says this about gifts. Look at me in verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. That means the giftings that you and I have come from who? The Holy Spirit. We need to know what our gifting is. We need to know what the Holy Spirit's calling us to. Now, some of us may have a what we call Damascus call. The Apostle Paul had a, 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 a physical manifestation of Jesus appearing to him, saying, you're to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Some of us, it may be, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to start operating in the church and start doing something to find out where my gifting is. The thing is, is get off the bench and start doing it. I was watching a movie, one of my favorite movies, called Little Giants. Anybody ever watch Little Giants? I, I, I suggest you go watch it. It came out in 1994. It's about uh, uh, this, this brother that's a, he's a, a star football player from Ohio town, and his little brother is not. His little brother runs a little garage, and his big brother's the star. He, he won the Heisman Trophy and did all this stuff, and, and now he coaches football, Little League football, and and how this coach would only pick certain kids for his football team. And so uh, this ragtag team of kids come together and, and form this football team. And there can only be one football team in that town. And so it comes to a battle between these two brothers. So they decide that they're going to play a football game between their two teams. You, can, you need to watch it. It's a cute, cute story. But it's the same as the body of Christ. When Jesus picked the apostles, he didn't pick guys that were learned. See, we have this mentality today that you have to go to college and you have to do all this stuff to be used by God. God can use anything. He used a donkey in the Bible. And sometimes I'm a donkey. And he uses me. Some of you got that. but God wants to use us, but we have to be available to him. 
So there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Who are we serving? The gifts that we perform for the Lord are not for each other so much as for Him. Do you get that? Now, that doesn't mean we work for each other, but the main purpose is we're working for the audience of who? One. So, we're working our service for him. And the word Lord means master. Is Jesus your master today? Is he your Lord? And then he goes on. There are different, uh, uh, look at verse 7, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 6, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now, verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the Holy Spirit will unction these things for the common good. What's it for? The edification of the church. The gifts of the Spirit are for us to grow in the Lord and to minister for God and to do things and to reach the lost. Verse 8, to one there is given through the message or through the Spirit the message of wisdom. That's a special gifting. There are times when we need wisdom from God. Now understand the Bible says in James that when we need wisdom we pray for it. But there's a special gift that God gives certain individuals for wisdom. How many of us need wisdom sometimes? And sometimes we're like, I don't know what to do, God. And God will give somebody to come up and say, I feel like God's telling you to do this. Or he'll raise up people that are godly, that have been through things. and have been, uh, The Bible talks about godly counsel. There is a special gift of wisdom. And I don't know if we use that very often in the church, but we need it. Maybe you're here today and you say, uh, maybe that's you. You may not know it, but you've got to pray about it. Then there's the, another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. Now, the message of knowledge is this. Somebody has a word of knowledge for you about what's going on in your life. There is a gifting. God can use you in that area. And he gives certain people for that. I, I don't know about you, but I've gone to some people and I've been praying. I'll give you an example. And I, my wife's in the room, so I can use this now, so she's not out here. But... Uh, Back in 19, or 2001, I went up to uh, general council. It was in Kansas City. And I'm a single guy. I just, I'd been out of the Air Force for a year. And how many of you, when you're young, you're looking for a mate? I guess I, I got a few laughs in that. Nobody raised their hand? You got spouses next to you today? I'm sure you were praying for a mate at one time, right? When you're young, you know, guys lift weights so they can impress the girls, Right? This is a quiet crowd this morning. This is tough. I know, I like to hear you guys laugh. That's, that's just, just me. But Pastor Larry, a good, a good uh, mentor of mine, came up to me and was praying for me. And he said, God said to tell you not to look for a wife, but I'm preparing one for you and you for her to be patient and wait. But very soon I'll bring her to you. Well, soon to us is what? Man, I was like, wow. So I left, I'm looking, I stop at a gas station. Oh, there's a girl right there. You know, you go to church and you start looking around and, and God soon is not our soon. Six years later, you see, God works on his timetable. That was six seconds for God. That was six years for me. But what he prophesied, he had a word of knowledge was exactly what happened. I was working full-time for Tulsa County, pastoring on the side bivocationally up in Tulsa. And 
Pastor Larry happened to be from Sand Springs, the Prattville area, and he would come down every year to see his mom. And so we came into Brahms, and it had been six years later, and I said, Pastor Larry, you prayed this prayer over me, and you said this was going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. And Pastor Larry said, well, have you prayed specifically? I said, well, no, I never thought about that. So I started to pray specifically. My mom said, she said, I think by this time next year, you're going to meet a girl and be married with a kid on the way, and you're going to meet her at the coffee shop you work at part-time. Well, when you're single, you can do a lot of things, right? So I worked full-time for Tulsa County. I worked part-time for a coffee shop. I was working on my bachelor's degree, and I was uh, still on staff at a church. I, ha I, I wasn't married yet, so I didn't have kids. You all know that, right? That's what I'm trying to say. I could do those things. So a few months later, I'm working at the coffee shop, but I wasn't actually working that night. I was working on my schoolwork. And here comes a friend of mine, Michael, and his name is Otis. And he walks in, and here's this girl. And I went, wow, she's pretty. You can tell my wife that, by the way, if you want to. So she comes in, and we start talking. And I prayed specifically. I said, God, I want a girl that is called to ministry. I want a girl that's brunette. Now, God can be specific. Now, that doesn't mean he's always going to give you what you want, but she's brunette. That's shorter than me. My wife is shorter than me. But believes the same thing that I believe. And as we're having this conversation, she finds out I'm Assemblies of God. I find out she's Assemblies of God. So I invited her and her friend, my friend Otis, to go out and watch a movie that night. Well, I had a purity ring on, so she thought I was married. And uh, so she, at first, she's like, where's, where's his wife? Why isn't he calling his wife to go out to watch this movie? So then she was mad. I didn't know that at the time. So she gets in the car. She didn't want to have anything to do with me because I wasn't inviting my wife out to a movie. Well, she didn't know it. That was her. So we get to the movie theater. I, 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 we didn't stay for the movie because it was a bad movie. I told them, hey, if you guys want to stay... You can stay, but I'm leaving. In fact, when we got in the movie theater, I was hoping she'd sit next to me. And it's the first time a girl actually pushed somebody out of the way to sit next to me, and she did that. She pushed my friend Otis out of the way and said, sit here, and she sat next to me because then she found out that I wasn't married, and so her whole attitude changed. That night, I, I said, Lord, I'm not going to get her number because you said you'd bring me my wife. I got in the car. I'm on my way home. Just be, as I'm getting ready to come into Owasso, I prayed that prayer. And my friend Otis texted me and said, do you want Stacy's phone number? And I said, God, if she's to be my wife, you're going to have to give me your phone number. And right then he texted me that number. That was a word of knowledge, and it came to pass within a year that my mom had a word of knowledge and Pastor Larry had a knowledge. We were married, and we had our first daughter on the way, which is Brianna. And she's called to ministry, and I'm called to ministry. It was a God thing. God can do that. That's a word of knowledge. Then look with me. He says, to the one there is the given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. Now to another faith by the same Spirit. Now what he means by faith is there are those times when you need somebody to come alongside of you and instill with you faith. I mean think about it. When Peter stepped out on the water he needed faith. Jesus said come. There are those people that we can surround ourselves. That is a gift. God gives certain people that gift of faith. They just believe that they believe that they believe that God's going to do it. And I would suggest you find those people and surround yourself with people like that. 
And you might be that individual. And then he says, by the same spirit to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. There are certain people that God has just gifted to lay hands. Think about Oral Roberts and all the things that God did through him. Think of some of the men and women, or Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever read Smith Wigglesworth? I suggest you go. This guy by trade was a plumber, but God used him in mighty ways with the gifts of healing. I think I've shared with you on several occasions about this, but I want to share it again. I mean, it takes a gift of healing and a gift of faith to take a baby that's not breathing and punt him like a football across the stage and for it to land on the back uh, ground and start breathing again. One guy had a tumor in him, and God told Smith Wigglesworth to punch him in the gut. I don't think anybody would come back to church if I punched you in the gut this morning. But he laid back, punched that guy in the gut, and he coughed up a tumor out of his mouth. You can go read some of these uh, stories. And they're real stories. They've been, they've been documented. That's a gift of healing by, the one, by that one spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. And that could be all kinds of different things if you think about it. Think of all the things that happened with the apostles in the book of Acts. Di healings and uh, laying on of hands and different uh, uh, abilities to, and, and it goes right along with this, uh, gifts of healing, miraculous powers. Anybody ever uh, uh, witness a, a miracle before? I have. And then look at this, to another prophecy. Now the word prophecy means to foretell. It has a different word than preaching and teaching in the original Greek. It literally means somebody foretelling what's going to happen in the future. Let me give you another example of this. And I've shared with you this before, but I'm, it's my best illustration for this. Um, one was the one that Pastor Larry had. It was not only words of knowledge, but it was foretelling what would happen. But when, when God called me to my first church, my mom and I were together. We were praying together in 2003. And she says, I see you're like a lighthouse to bear down. How many of you guys remember this story? I'm going to share it again, though. I see you like your lighthouse to a dark and barren land. And it, it's, I'm not the lighthouse. Jesus is. We're just the vessel. Do you understand that? But you're going to be like a safe haven for people to come to when you start your ministry. Well, I was already in ministry, but she was referring to full-time ministry is what God was saying. Six years or nine years later, God's timetable is not ours. It drives me nuts. Am I the only one? 2003 to 2012, that's nine years, right? Mom and dad were coming to visit us up in, up in Upton, Wyoming for the birth of our middle daughter, Natalie. And she tells my dad, she goes, man, it's barren out here and dark. And then as they drove up by the church, she saw the sign and it was a lighthouse. And the church I pastored was Lighthouse Assembly of God. That's foretelling, that's prophecy. Prophecy is for today. So to another prophecy, now listen to this, to another distinguishing between the spirits. Along with prophecy, there needs to be distinguishing of the spirits. Is this of God? That's a discerning spirit. How many of you guys believe that these gifts are for today? Is it in the Bible? Do you know the book of Acts had happened? And the word Acts means the acts of the Holy Spirit. Have the acts of the Holy Spirit ended today? No, because the Holy Spirit's still moving. I've seen this stuff. I grew up in this stuff. I grew up in the last end of the uh, Jesus movement. I grew up in a church where revival happened. You've heard the story of me telling you about a lady that came in. Nobody prayed for her. She was, she was crippled. 
And I remember as an eight-year-old boy looking back and this lady stands up, she spoke Spanish, began to cry, and she began to run around in a circle screaming in Spanish. And I remember our pastor, Pastor Tom, going, what's going on? And they, didn't, they interpreted her, uh, her language, uh, the Spanish, she, they got an interpreter for her. I got to slow down. Sometimes when I get a little fast, I get my words mixed up. I'm so glad God's gracious with me. But they go back and they interpret. She got healed. Nobody prayed for her. We have prophetic words spoken that came to pass. God was doing mighty things. And listen, God, that's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. What he did in our revivals in the past, he can do again. And we need it today, desperately in our country. And the assemblies of God, we believe in the gifts and the move of the Holy Spirit. We need to start allowing it to operate. That's why I have that Tom Jacobs coming. He operates in the gifts of the Spirit. I don't know what he's going to do, but we're both excited. Don't miss church because we have a guest speaker. Sometimes that's the best time when God moves. Prophecy is for today, and it's a foretelling. It tells you what's going to happen. Some prophecy, you'll get it, and it'll be years before it comes to pass. So what I tell everybody to do, if somebody has a prophetic word for you, first of all, write it down. Set it up on a, set it up on a shelf somewhere and, and hold on to it. If it's of God, it will come to pass. If it's not, throw it away. Amen? Look at this, to another of dis to another distinguishing between the spirits, which is, again, discernment. We need discernment in the church. How many of you know somebody that's really good at that? They can discern things. I, I spoke about this in Sunday school. Uh, when I first got to Abernathy, we had a guy that came in in a wheelchair, and he, and he come up, and he was just real boisterous and loud and just didn't seem right. And, and then he came up, and he goes, oh, these rocks are from heaven. And I went, what? And I had a whole bunch of people that were, had that discerning of spirit come in. Pastor, there's something to rot right here. We need to have that. We need to have a discerning of spirits. There needs to be training on it, but we can grow, right? It's better to operate in these things and grow. John Wimber's always said that we're in a school of learning. I'd rather be in and operate in these things and learn as we go than not do them at all. Do you want to be a lively church or a dead church? I'm not saying we're dead. You understand that, right? That's not what I'm saying, but... We need to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It hasn't ended. And this is controversial for people sometimes. Why? Do you know the Assemblies of God was birthed out of the Azusa revival? There was a reporter making fun of it during the Azusa revival. You can go and you can study that. This reporter was making fun of it. And his whole thing was to make fun of the Azusa revival. And before you knew it, God poured his Spirit on this guy and he ends up getting saved. Listen, it... You know it's a move of the Spirit when people are getting rid of their pipes. And there was a stack of pipes. You can see when, when you read about the stories where they, they piled up their pipes and they, they piled up the things that weren't godly in their life. That's a real revival. Revival happens, and I preached on this a few Sundays, uh, Sunday nights ago. Uh, what are the fruits of revival? You're witnessing. You're going out and reaching people for the gospel. If we're just coming in here and getting filled with the Spirit, but we're not going out and preaching, did we really get a move of the Spirit? Because one of the moves of the Spirit is to motivate you to witness to others. 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in, Judea, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive dunamis power, God power. It's not fake. It's real. And it'll give you the strength to be a witness. Now that word witness means martyr. Gives you the power to say, I'm going to die for Jesus. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to witness. And if they insult me, praise the Lord, I've been insulted for the name of Christ. Going on, look what it says here. To another distinguishing in different kinds of tongues and to steal another interpretation of tongues. Let me explain something here. This has always been taken out of context. What they'll say is they'll say that tongues isn't for everyone. The tongues that he is speaking about here is what we just witnessed earlier in the service. It's a special gift of speaking in tongues in the service with the interpretation of it. you got to look at the context of what he's saying there. He says speaking in tongues and the interpretation of what? Tongues. He's not speaking about your prayer language by yourself with God. That's, that is found in, uh, in fact, go with me to sec, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 real quick. 1 Corinthians 14, look with, look with me in verse 1. Now understand this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 speaks of the giftings. Chapter 13 speaks of the motive behind the gift, which is love. Everything should be motivated out of what? Love. Love for God and love for people. It shouldn't be about yourself. Look at chapter 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire what? Spiritual gifts. Does this say gift or gifts? Gifts. It's plural. More than one. Which gifts is he speaking of? Ah, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I am the only one that's excited about this this morning. That's okay. I can preach to myself this morning. I know you're thinking. I'm, I'm, got my, I'm trying to work on that. I'm a talker, and when people are quiet, it drives me nuts. I'm working on it. Be patient with me. All right, verse 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to who? To God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. That word, uh, no one understands, it, literally means nobody understands in the original Greek. It makes no sense. When somebody's speaking in a tongue, do you know what they're saying? No. God does, though. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Look at verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be what? Edified. So again, that is going back to the special gift of tongues that somebody speaks in tongues, and then there's the interpretation of that tongues. Because if somebody speaks in tongues out loud, like we had, and nobody, nobody interprets it, then what happens? Nobody knows what's being said. Let me give you an example of this. When I was in the service one time, I was having a bad week. Anybody ever have a bad week? I had a bad week. There was a couple times this happened to me, but the second time, we were worshiping. And I was in a bad mood. I'm, I, I sat there and I said, I'm not going to get up and worship. I'm not going to do it. I know that sounds bad, but come on. I had a bad week. I'm like, I was mad at God. Am I the only one that gets mad at God sometimes? David did. 
So I was mad. I was frustrated. And we're worshiping and we're worshiping and then all of a sudden we get tongues. Somebody spoke in tongues. The pastor, Pastor Kyle, I'll never forget it, had a word. And I, I have not forgotten to this day. He said, if you're going to sit there and complain and have a self-pity party and not get up and worship me because I deserve the worship, then I'm not going to use you. And he kept speaking these words. I don't know all the words, but I remember going, boom, I got up off my butt. I used that in church. And I got up and I began to worship him. Do you understand how this works? There was an interpretation. And I've had somewhere I was struggling, like, God, are you my shield? And I had somebody speak that. I remember one time being at Believer's Church on a, on a Friday night all the way in the back. And I think I've shared this with you, but in my heart, I, I was going through so many struggles. That, that when you're a young person, you got so many, you're finding out your identity, what things are going, you got all these things going on. And, and I remember saying, God, I feel like you, call, you, you called me to fail. Inside my heart, I said that. I didn't say that loud. Somebody spoke in tongues. Mark Tietzert, one of the pastors, gets up. He walks over to the side and he goes, I have not called you to fail. And he went through every word that I said to God. That time I didn't stand up. I got on my knees. That's what he's speaking of. And it still happens for today. And I'm speaking the truth. These things have happened in my life. So he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. That edified the church. And we need to believe that these giftings are for the church today. They are. Now, if you struggle with these things, let me give you an example. Um, how many of you guys know who Max Licato is? When he was 64, I think it was a couple years ago, about a year ago, a couple years ago, he said he was reading that scripture, desire the greater gifts. Now, Max Licato is a very gifted man. He's written some great books. He's had some great insights from God, but he, he was sitting and reading that scripture, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And for two weeks, he said, God, I want more giftings. God, I want more giftings. And he prayed that. And one day he's praying, and all of a sudden, he starts praying, and these words that were not him came out. And he began to pray in the spirit, in tongues. God wants to bless you with gifts. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys love as a kid, loved Christmas. Yeah, because you, you knew what was under the tree, right? And you come out and you open that first gift. It's usually the gift that you really wanted, you know. Every once in a while you get the gift like socks or underwear and you just, throw, just like on the movie Christmas Story, you throw it over your shoulder. Listen, God has given us gifts and we've gotten the gift of salvation. And we open that up, but God has so many more gifts under the tree, but some of us don't want to open it up. We're comfortable just with that one gift. Giftings are for the building up of the believers in the church. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at the fivefold ministry. Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me in verses 11 through 16. So each one of those gifts, now there's also works of service within the church. You understand that. Some of us are gifted in that area. Not all of us are good at that. Some of us are gifts of helps within the church. Uh, in fact, in the early church, the, 
the, the apostles distributed, they, they laid hands on seven of the apostles in, in the book of Acts, and they sent them out to, to minister to the orphans and widows so that the, the, so that the pastors could study the word and, and, and devote themselves to the word and to prayer. So each one of these giftings are important. Look at verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you got parts of the body. And you come over here into chapter 4 of Ephesians, and he speaks of what we call the fivefold ministry. First, he talks about apostles. Now, we, we know that there were the 12 apostles, and, and then we had uh, uh, Paul, who was the apostle to the Gentiles. I think our modern-day apostle it would be missionaries. Or our general superintendent because they're over. They go in, they start a church, they're over it, and then they hand it off to somebody. I, I've always get really, uh, uh, I guess, a little skittish when somebody starts saying, I'm a prophet, I'm this, I'm that. I, I, I'm not saying that they aren't, but I get really cautious of that. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying they aren't called to those things. You understand that. But we need to be very cautious and ask God for the discerning of spirits because there's a lot of people out there that call themselves something, and I've got to wonder, are they really that? So, again, that takes discernment of the body, right? Okay, you get it. All right, good. So he gave some to be apostles. Now, look at this. Some to be prophets. Prophecy needs to be in the church. We need to operate in that. How about this? And some to be evangelists. Uh, look, we look at the other giftings. We look at evangelists. Billy Graham, was he important to the church? Yeah. Are evangelists important? Yeah, because they go out. An evangelist is literally somebody that goes out, preaches the gospel to get people saved. You need to have that. Because if you don't get people saved, you won't get them in the church. And then they can't operate in their gifts. But we focus on the evangelists, we focus on pastors and teachers, which if you look in the original Greek, those two uh, are, are simultaneously with each other. They, they, they work in concert with each other. A pastor should be able to what? Teach, right? I'm teaching you this morning. Are you learning anything? Yeah, that's my job. But a pastor also nurtures and takes care of the flock and loves the God. By the way, if you're sick or something, you're welcome to call me. I will come to the hospital and pray with you or come to your house. Just letting you know. Okay? If you can't get a hold of me, somebody will help get a hold of me. Unless I'm away. But I just, I'm leaving that out to you because that's my heart. A pastor's heart cares for the flock. He loves you. I love you guys. So look what it says. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To do what? To prepare God's people for what? 
works of service. My job is to prepare you to do works of service. If you're sitting on the bench, I'm not the type of coach that wants you sitting on the bench. Get in the game. Do you know what the percentage, now this would have been about 20 years ago. Do you know what the percentage of people that did the work in the church were? 10%. Pew Research did a, did a and I think Barna did that too as well. They did a, a study on that. Only 10% of the people do the work in the church. Do you know what it is now? It's around 5%. Especially in the Western church. But God doesn't want that. He wants us all involved. He wants us to get involved and do things for him. It doesn't have to be something glamorous that everybody sees. Remember Paul talked about the parts that, that you don't see are the parts we take care of the most. How, how many of you think it's important that the church is clean? Even though we pay the lady to do it, I always say thank you for doing that. I Believe me, when I was pastoring Abernathy or even Upton, I went in there and I did that stuff. And I'll still do it. That should be all of our part. But those are important parts of the church. How about greeting? Greeting's important, right? First person you come in, if they're doing this, hi, welcome to our church, here you go. Would you come back? Man. No, you want somebody going, hi, we love, now, uh, now I can, now if you're like me, I probably, I'm overboard with it, but uh, you know, some people, they just got that natural, that's a gift. Those are important for the church. Working with the kids, our next generation. Working even with the babies, that's important. Moms like to be away from their kids for a while. I give you a story last night. My wife, this, last night, our daughter had a nightmare, and, and uh, she came in, and I was out. I don't know how moms, they got, you got radar ears. Dads can sleep through about anything. My wife could never understand it. She still don't get it. How could you sleep through that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, you said it. It's easy, right? <laughs> Until you get the poke in the side. Come on, get up. But the whole purpose of it is to prepare God's people for works of service. We do this work so that the body of Christ may be what? Built up. We want to grow as a body, right? We, we want to see people come into the kingdom. We want to disciple them. See, Jesus never said make converts. He said make disciples. Go into all the world, preaching the good news, baptizing in the name of the Father, making disciples of what? All nations. So one of the things that we haven't done well in the church in America is discipled people. We need to do a better job of discipling. Listen, I can't do everything. You can't do everything. I come up with great ideas, but I'm not always good at executing them. So God raises up people to do that. God will raise up workers. When we were in Upton, we had, when we got there, we had, we had one family, and, and, and they didn't believe our doctrine, and it was my daughter. And I said, Lord, how are we going to grow this kid's ministry? Because the guy that I was following was very successful at it. God, how are we going to reach that next generation? And God kept dropping in my heart. Royal Rangers and Missionettes. Well, I didn't know how to do Royal Rangers. I always wanted to be in Cub Scouts when I was a kid, but I, my, mom and dad never had the money to put me into it, so I didn't know what I was doing. And God kept dropping in my heart, keep doing this. And so finally I asked one of my board members, Les Bishop, I said, Les, do you like Royal Rangers? He goes, yes, I love it. That's what I've always wanted to start here. 
So we started a Royal Rangers Missionettes program. Our first two years, we only had like seven kids. And in fact, when wrestling season started, we dropped down to about four kids. And if you're not careful, you'll let discouragement get you, and then you won't stick with it. But by our third year, we outgrew our butt. We outgrew our van and the SUVs. We went and got a bus down in Colorado Springs. And it's interesting because one of the parents in there, we'd mentioned that we needed a bus. And this young man come in, and he was rededicating his life to the Lord. And he goes, well, I just got a really good contract with, the, with, the, with, with one of the oil companies out here. And I want to help your church. How can I help you? He goes, what about new tires for the van? I said, no, we just got new tires for the van. And so I said, well, you know what? Pray that God will help us with the bus. He goes, oh, no, I'll help you with that. I said, no, 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 just pray. He goes, no, 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 I want to help you. Well, his partner in, in his job, the guy that worked with him, his son was in our Royal Rangers program. I didn't know that. So he goes, start looking for something. So I said, well, what's, what's the amount? So I had to call him back. How much do you want me to look for? And he goes, 20. And I said, 20? Do you mean $20,000? And he goes, yeah. Well, it was his friend that found the bus. And so me and a friend, uh, one of the guys in our church, Bob Bruce and I, we drove all the way down to Colorado Springs. We picked it up. It was perfect. It was gold. It had mountains on the side. They had used it up at Steamboat Springs. And when they reconfigured and put all the seats back in it, now we had 25 kids in our program at the time. Guess how many, when they reconfigured the seats, it sat? 25. And we outgrew that, and kids started filling up the bus. By the time we left, we had 53 kids just on Wednesday nights going down to the community center. Because God, people got involved. God will honor you. you God qualifies the call. He doesn't call the qualified. None of us are qualified. Jesus is the one that qualifies us. So let's go on a little bit farther. To prepare God's, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The reason why we work in our giftings within the church is so that we'll grow and mature in the body of Christ and be built up and, and, and reach people for the lost. Or That didn't make any sense. Reach the lost people. Anyways, you got what I meant. Looking on, look at verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Again, the fivefold ministry is to keep us grounded in sound doctrine. If it's in the Bible, you can believe it, right? But it also keeps us grounded if things are outside what the Word says and they get off into weird things, you can say, wait a minute here, where's that in the Bible? Look at verse 15. Instead of speaking the truth in love, we, or wait, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all, in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So how do we grow in love? As each part does its work. How do we get built up? As each part does its work. Are you using the giftings that God has given you? Are, are you like in the book of Ezekiel where they just got ankle deep? Remember the river? Some just got in ankle deep and that's all they wanted. Are, are, you, are you getting knee deep? Are you getting waist deep? Or are you getting into the water? 
Because where the water flows, every beautiful tree and plant grew, and there was living things living there. So one of the moves of the Spirit is gets people involved in their giftings. Hallelujah. There's a test that I, I may give in a few weeks, and I've taken this test, and it's always right on. And I might pass it out. We may do it on a Sunday morning. That might take about 10 minutes for you to do, but it's real easy. And it's pretty accurate. It'll show you where your giftings are. I have found a lot of people are gifted in administration. Boy, I need that help. Because I'm not always great at it. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm always good at administration. You have your administrative pastors and you have your teacher pastors. Then you have the ones that have the gift of gab like me. Let's go on. Go with me to Matthew 25. We're going to close with this today. The parable of the talents. Now, I understand that this is speaking of money, but it also speaks of service within the church. Matthew 25. Look with me in verse 14. Jesus, again, he's speaking of the end times. This is, a, I believe it's the Olivet Discourse. This is the Olivet Discourse, and his, his uh, disciples had asked him about the end times, but something else he mentions in here. I love how Jesus throws things in there. It's the parable of talents, and it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents, went out at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me stop there for a minute. What's the one thing we want to hear from the Lord? Well done, my good and faithful what? Servant, right? That's what's important. It's not how big your church is. It's not how small your church is. It's are you faithful to what God has called you to do? Faithfulness. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be about how great we were because it's really not about us. It's about him. So then he says this, verse 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents came, also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let me stop there for a minute. He's speaking of the time that you and I are, did you know we're going to govern and reign with Christ on this earth during the millennial reign of Christ? We're going to be put to work? We often see these pictures of these angels with little harps floating on clouds. Guys, when you die and you go to heaven, you're still going to work when you get to heaven. I have one of my books called The Biblical Theology of Prayer, and in there is a, is a story of, of a pastor in Montana that was praying for his church and for his community, and he was out elk hunting. Beautiful day. How many of you love to hunt? Sometimes it's just good to get out there and, 
and be out in the, in the wilderness and with God. And he's out there and all of a sudden out of the peripheral vision, he sees a man with a, a, a suitcase, uh, and uh, not a suitcase, but a, a briefcase with a suit on. And he was about a 30-minute walk away and within seconds he was in front of him. And the guy goes, do you know who I am? And he goes, uh, a messenger from God. A messenger means an angel. And the guy goes, yeah, I am. I'm from the Lord. The Lord sent me to answer some prayers for you. This is a true story. And, and the guy goes, oh, this is a real comfortable rock. This is really beautiful. And he starts telling him, he goes, God's heard your prayer because you've been praying for people and God wants to use you. He wants to answer some of your prayers. And so the, he asked him, what's some of the prayers? Well, he goes, I'd like the church mortgage to be paid off. And he goes, okay. He said, you know, I can answer that right now, but God likes to use people. God likes using people. So the angel's talking with him. All of a sudden the angel goes, well, I miss the Lord's presence. It's time for me to leave. Next thing you know, he left. And he goes, the guy, the pastor says, I couldn't hunt for the rest of the day because my mind was just still fo focused on, did I see this? Did I really see this? So the next day he's driving in his car. And the Lord said, do you remember my angel that appeared to you yesterday? Yes, Lord. He goes, well, what do you want? He goes, well, I want the church mortgage paid off. That night, a couple in his church, God laid on their heart to pay off the church mortgage. So that pastor called his superintendent and said, should I share this with you? And he said, yes. Yeah. So he shared with his congregation and with the district. And guess what? Their mortgage got paid off and all the things that the angel had mentioned. Because God wants to use people. God wants to use you. He wants to use me. Listen, my job up here is just part of the body. We're a team. We're on a team. And it's Jesus' team. And so look what he says. When Jesus comes back, we're going to be doing work for him. And if we did it with right motives, God's going to bless us for it. Remember, we're going to get rewards. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat of Christ. If you're a born-again believer today, you're going to stand before the Judgment Seat of Christ, and God's going to judge you on what you did for him. Did you do it with the right motive or wrong motive? You're not going to be judged on your sin because it's under the blood. Did you get that? So we're going to stand before him. We're going to get rewards. Some of those things are going to be burned up. But some of the things that we did without a right heart are going to be jewels like gold and silver. And you're going to have a position. So the position that you die in is the position you'll get in heaven. Did you get that? We're all going to heaven, but you're going to have, there, there's order in God's kingdom. And you're going to do work for God. And so whatever you do on this earth is going to determine your position in heaven as far as what you do for the Lord. Does that make sense? I'm not speaking wrong doctrine. It's in the Bible. If you want to be a good Berean, go study the Bible. Right? Don't just take my word for it. But listen to what he says. Verse 24. The man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. First of all, he didn't see God as a loving God. He saw him as a hard God. Do you know God loves us? He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. Do you believe that? This... And then look what he says here. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. So here it is. Here's what belongs to you. So he took the talent that God gave him. And he buried it in the ground. Some of you have a talent that you're not using for God. You're burying it. Could be fear. It could be fear. Ask God to give you the strength to get over that fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of what? A sound mind. 
So look what the master says to him. Verse 26, he, the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Notice he calls him lazy. Some people in the church, they just want to come on Sunday and that's it. And yet God says, I want you in the game. You know, I hated sitting on the bench. I was on a soccer team that was really good. But then I, I played baseball. And I got benched a lot. And I understood how the guys in my soccer team felt that were benched. Nobody likes to get benched. But some Christians enjoy the bench. They're afraid to get into the game. You're afraid you're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I still make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Are you perfect? You're going to make mistakes, but I'd rather get in the game and learn from my mistakes than not get in the game at all. So he calls him a wicked servant. If you're bearing your talent and you're not using the giftings that God's given you, it's possible you could hear this from him. Why did he put it in here? To warn us. You wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And then he, look what he says, verse 28. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he, who ha he, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is a very serious thing. Anytime you read weeping and gnashing of teeth, that means hell. So the thing is, which one do you want to hear? Well done, my good and faithful servant? Or get away from me, you wicked and lazy servant. So our, some of you may not even know what your gifting is. Have you ever asked God? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And sometimes God won't answer you right away. Sometimes I had a really good book when I went to Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and I think his name is John Drury, but he wrote a book about your calling. And he said, sometimes you just have to get involved in something and find out. If it's not your calling, you'll know, right? You'll, you'll just know. I can guarantee you if I got up here and tried to worship, <laughs> I know that's not my calling. I can't even keep a beat. I would love you to clap more, but if I try to clap, how many people do I get out of clapping? I don't know how I made it through band. I played saxophone, I don't know. It was the gift, it was the grace of God. But listen, not everybody has the same giftings. I'm going to finish real quick. I've shared this with you, but I'm going to share my calling, okay? How many of you guys have heard that? But I want to share it again. When I was seven years old, April 19, 1984, I gave my heart to Jesus. You've heard that story. I was out playing with my friend, Dean, and I wasn't looking for Jesus. I got saved that day. My mom was praying with my sister. She didn't accept, but I wanted Jesus in my heart. She shared the gospel with me. She prayed for me to receive the Lord. I, I remember her talking about how I'd be separated from God for all eternity, and my sin separates me. I understood what sin was. You've heard my story about me stealing. I was a kleptomaniac at that age. And I would bully kids. I was bad in school. Mom had a lot of problems with me. So not only I got saved, but I got, mom prayed for me. My mom was Pentecostal. So what happens when you're a Pentecostal mom? You have a Pentecostal mom. Well, you want, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit with your prayer language. Okay, whatever that is, mom, pray, for, pray with me. So I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that same day I got saved. That summer, we had church on Thursday nights. We didn't have it on Wednesday. We had it on Thursday nights. 
And I remember coming up, I love to worship God. Who doesn't like to worship God? And we had Danny Daniels, he wrote a lot of really popular songs for the vineyard. And I remember coming in, it was, it was sunny, it was summertime, and I remember going, God, I want to be a worship leader like Danny Daniels. And God showed me a picture of a brown suit with a red goatee. And I said, and he said, you're going to be a pastor like Pastor Tom. Well, first of all, the vineyard pastors didn't wear suits back then. Remember, they came out of the Jesus movement. They were a bunch of hippies. Everybody's quiet on that. He wore, they wore, you know, they would wear khakis and a, sh a shirt, but God, they, they weren't suity. But the Assemblies of God, when I came into it, was very suity. In fact, we had a superintendent, a former superintendent, Brother Newberg. When I came in, he would look at, thankfully I had just come out of the service, but he would come over and go, your shoes need to be shined better. I don't see my reflection in it. True story. Brother Newberg used to do that. Newberg, I think. Anyways, going on, that, so I'm, I'm upset because I didn't want to be a pastor because sometimes I'd sit in the services, fall asleep underneath the chairs, Mom would give me a, a paper to color on, and man, sometimes I'd sit through the service, and I'd be bored out of my mind as a kid. I really was. I was bored. I didn't want to sit through the service. I didn't know what he was talking about. So I remember that night when God called me to be a pastor, I was angry with God, so I went back to kids' class. My mom had no idea what was going on between me and God. And she told one of the teachers to come back and get me because God told her I was supposed to be in the main service that night. Same night. So she comes out, and I fought her tooth and nail, and she threatened to spank me. Some kids need a good spanking once in a while. So she threatened to spank me. I said, fine. Well, I'm not sitting with you. And I remember we were sitting in the middle, and I came up all the way to the front, and I said, well, I'm not sitting with you. And she goes, you don't have to, but you're staying in the service. And I remember saying, God, I don't want to be a pastor. I know what you want me to be, and I don't want to be. My mom come over. She goes, who are you talking to? God. Well, what's she saying? He wants me to be a pastor, and I don't want to be. She goes, well, that's between you and God, but you're staying in the service. Pastor Tom's message that night was, are you going against God's call and will for your life? It's not about you. It's about other people. If that's you, you need to get down here and repent. And I still remember walking as an 8-year-old boy, coming over, and a guy grabbed me by the hand and asking me how old I was. It doesn't matter how old you are. The matter, what matters is, are you going to surrender to God's will for your life? And I forgot about it until I joined the service. And I prayed to get up to Grand Forks when I was in seventh grade. Guess where I got stationed? Grand Forks. Started attending the uh, 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 Valley Christian Center. Didn't know it was Assemblies of God until about a year and a half later. Found out about life and life of Christ with Berean School of the Bible. And remember when it first showed up, it, my spirit leapt within me. And I, I said, God, why do I have to take these career development courses in the Air Force? And he said, I have a purpose for them because they were set up exactly the same as, as the Berean School of the Bible courses. Exactly to the T. Then we had evangelists come. We had one evangelist come. His, his mom, he was a state senator, and his mom was dying of an incurable disease. And he said, God, I'll believe in you if you heal her. And she got healed that night. And he was here at a, we had a service, and he was preaching, and he would just speak things over. And I thought the guy was out of his rocker. Just being honest. So I said, I'm going to go test this guy. So I walked him. So, well, what's my calling with kind of an attitude? And he goes, well, you got the eyes of a minister. You need to get up under this guy, this guy, and that guy. We had an old vineyard pastor started attending there. And I was getting ready to get out of the service. And I said, I, said, what am I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm getting out of the service in a few years. And he goes, what God called you to be, God's glory is all of you. What he called you to be when you're a little boy, you're on that path. Just don't look to the left or the right, but keep your eyes on Jesus. 
So I called my mom that night, and I said, Mom, am I called to something? After these other guys had already said it. After I'd sit in the service and I'd had that burning desire to preach the word. And she goes, yeah, don't you remember this? All of a sudden, all these memories flooded back. My last three months in the service, I was struggling because I always wanted to be an airline pilot. I wanted to be a, a, a pilot. My dad was an aircraft mechanic. I grew up around airplanes. I used to play in a nose cone of a 707, if you don't know what that is, over by uh, Stapleton International Airport where my dad was at work sometimes. And I had to make a decision. Which am I going to do? Two prophetic words from two different people. Well, maybe God wants you to soar in the spirit. And mom began to tell me about all this. And the last three months, Chuck Swindoll's whole message was, are you called to be a pastor? God will confirm to you what he's called you to be. I share all this because this is personal experiences. But I share with you because God will speak to each one of you of what your calling is. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. The question is, are you going to use the giftings that God's used you in? But a lot of people don't want to get into the game. A lot of people don't want to get into the game. They're afraid of what might happen. Listen, it's not always easy at first. You got to learn, right? When you first learned how to ride a bike, it took a while, didn't it? I'm an exception to the rule. My sister had a strawberry shortcake bike. She dropped it. I'd never been on a bike before. I got it and I started riding it. And then she got mad at me. True story. I, I bring all this up to close. What are you called to do and are you, what are you doing about it? What are you called to do and what are you doing about it? And let me tell you something. It doesn't end even when you get older and retire. It only ends when you go home to be with Jesus. Did you get that? All right, let's close in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. First of all, you can't know what your calling is unless you're born again, unless you're saved this morning. I never like to leave a service without asking somebody if they're saved. Because it's an eternity separated from God if you don't have him in your heart. It's not just about saying a prayer. It's about repentance, which means turning from your sin, turning your life to Jesus, believing that he died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and he's the son of the living God. But the Bible says if you do that, if you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not maybe, but you will. Are you here this morning? And you'd say, Pastor, I'm not saved, but I want to get saved. I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you have, but you're not living for him, and you need to rededicate your life to him this morning. If, you're the, if that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Are you here? The, do you know without a shadow of doubt, if you took your last breath, you'd be in heaven? Raise your hand if you're saved this morning. Okay, put your hands down. There's some of you that didn't raise your hand. God's knocking at the door of your heart, and he's saying, today, will you receive me into your life? You never know when you're going to take your last breath. And it doesn't matter how old you are. None of us are promised tomorrow. So those that didn't raise their hand, I'm going to give you one more invitation. Am I going to be kind of pushy on it? Yes, I am, because it's eternity. Are you here this morning, and you didn't raise your hand, but you, you need Jesus in your life. He loves you. And you need to, you need to surrender your life to him. He'll change your life. If that's you and, and you didn't raise your hand, but you want to do it now, raise your hand. Are you here this morning? All right. Are you here this morning? You'd say, Pastor, 
I don't know what my gifting is, but I'm going to ask Jesus right now what it is, and he's going to confirm it. Would you just raise your hand? You don't know what your gifting is, but you want the Lord to use you. I'm going to pray for you real quick. Father, first of all, I pray for those that didn't raise their hand, that you would continue to knock at the door of their heart. God, you don't want anyone to perish but you want all to come to repentance. And I pray that, Lord, no matter where they go, no matter where they turn, they won't be able to run from your presence. I pray, Lord, that you will stalk them, that, Lord, you will give divine appointments, that no matter where they turn, there will be somebody preaching the gospel to them because, Lord, their salvation is so important to you. That's why Jesus died. Second, I pray for those that raised their hand and those that didn't, those that don't know what their gifting is or want to be used by you. God, you saw their hands. They're taking a step of faith. God, would you begin to speak to them? Would you begin to show them what their gifting is within the body of Christ, whether it's service or helps or distinguishing between the spirits or words of wisdom or gifts of faith or miracles or, or service or helps, Lord. Whatever it is, speak to them. It may be an evangelist. It may be in the prophetic. It may be to go out as a missionary like an apostle starting churches. Maybe a pastor or a teacher. God, would you remind them and confirm it to them this morning. Lord, we can't do this alone. We need your help. One plants, another one waters, but God, you make it grow. And so, Father, I, I leave that with you this morning. Speak to each one of them this morning. Speak to their hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I love you this morning. Thank you for listening to that message this morning, I really felt like God wanted to say it to you guys this morning. Tonight, I'm starting a new series on the book of Revelation. Let me share something real quick before we close, before you leave. You do not have to be afraid of the book of Revelation. If you're born again, it's, it don't, you don't have to. Do you know what the word Revelation just means? It comes from the Greek word apocalypto, which just means revealing. You don't have to be afraid of that book. So if you want to learn what that book's about, come tonight. I'm going to start going through a series on it. It might take a whole year to get through because it's a long book. But I tell you what, the Bible says you're blessed if you read it, hear it, and take it to heart. Amen? Love you guys. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed week.